Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Squadcast. My name is Jeepo and joining me as always is Disposable Hero. So today we're going to sit down with none other than OWI's Soccer, who is lead mapper at Squad. And we're going to talk a little bit about some maps he's already worked on and one or two leaks about what may be coming up. And without further ado, let's jump right in. Hey, okay, so this is uh, this is another TG uh, squad cast here with Disposable and Jeepo, and today we're interviewing AF Soccer from Offworld Industries. How are you doing, Soccer? I'm doing awesome. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank you for joining us today. And uh, I don't know how much time we have scheduled with you, but I'm sure we'll go over it. Um, so we have a couple of things to talk to you about and questions to ask, and we'll see where things go from there. So first of all, I guess let's uh, let's start off with maybe you tell us a little bit about yourself and what your role is with OWI. Yeah, sounds like a good place. Um, so I'm one of the mappers. We have three mappers, if you don't count Iron Taxi, because he kind of has a lot more on his plate than just mapping. So been with him for about two years, two and a half years. And before that, I was the lead mapper for Project Reality. Did that for three years. Um, before that, I was an R mod and uh, played pretty much extensively with TG uh, in the Project Reality community. Well, that's funny because I've never heard of you before. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. I don't even know who you are. Who am I, who right. am I talking to here? I don't know. I don't know how you even got here. Um, Excellent. Yeah, soccer. Uh, we were talking offline, but soccer, Jeepo, myself, several others here at TG go back um, a decade at this point, right? Yeah. I yeah. joined TG in July of 2007. Yeah. So we've uh, spent a lot of time in the trenches together. Oh, yeah. I could argue too much. But you're only Possibly. as young as the woman you feel. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks, Jeepo. It doesn't even seem like 10 years, so it kind of blows me away. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, so, okay. So, mapping. That's your job. Are you, You're not... Who's the lead mapper with uh, with OWI for Squad? So, his his online name is Oxygen Cube, or Oxy, uh, and his name is Drew. And okay. uh, he actually never mapped for Project Reality. He was uh, hired kind of from the outside and is a full-time position so they wanted uh you know obviously the lead mapper to be a full-timer where i'm not a full-timer i'm a three-quarters timer okay and that was one of our questions for you if you're full-time or not we weren't sure so why don't you give us a little bit of your personal background and um yeah there's one interesting feature that i don't know if people know but there's a way to easily identify any map made by soccer um so perhaps you could give us a little bit of your background um, and maybe explain your signature that you put on every map that you make. Okay. Um, well, a lot of people haven't, I guess they don't put two and two together, but the AF is Air Force. Um, so I was in the Air Force for 10 years. Yep. yep. That sounds like a punchline to a joke with a military <laughs> theme, by the way. <laughs> and I'm still in the reserves, but uh, would only get called up if there was a pretty big war developing. Um, so yeah, I have obviously, uh, the background with air force airfield operations. So, 
that's what I do now in the civilian world is I manage an airport here in Colorado in the United States. Um, and mapping has always just been a huge interest of mine, even like paper maps and stuff have always tweaked my interest. And when I started playing Project Reality, they had a pretty extensive modification editor. And I tried to see if I could do it or not. And uh, what resulted was Shajia Valley. That was my first map for Project Reality. Which is, okay, I'll just get the question out of the way now. Are we going to see it in squad? <laughs> it's funny you ask that because the other, well, one of the other maps I made was Camasilla. And that actually is getting beaten around a little bit in the squad uh, team because, as we all know, eventually we will be having more and more vehicles in the game. And they wanted to make sure they had a map that was kind of with that focus. And Camasilla would definitely have qualified. We don't know if we're going to make it. We don't know if we're going to get Shajia Valley in there either. Um, there's always a little bit, uh, even with Project Reality, a little bit of, hey, let's keep moving forward instead of just doing version 2 and version 3 of a map. Um, so who knows in the end if we'll end up recreating something that already exists or just starting over. Right. Makes well, sense. I mean, fact, from case, my case in point, real quick, the whole reason I made Camasilla was because so many people were sick of Kashan Desert, <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> including me. So instead of making Kashan Desert improved, uh, I just said, "Hey, I'm just going to do a a better one." You know, now that we have more to work with, cool. um, we ended up keeping Kashan anyway. But in the end, you know, we have those two now. That's one map that I would be happy not to see again I'm actually retired, up there with yeah. up, up there with mudra hashtag delete mudra i'm totally on board <laughs> with mudra, all, of, yeah. all of that um shia valley was one of my favorite maps and this is a very Thanks. leading question so <laughs> if we play the cards and we do get shia valley what happens with the factions that's a very leading question ah. well at this point there isn't a plan to do a pla um as, as we've already released to the public, uh, the British forces would be the next uh, faction that would be released. The other thing we're kind of looking at is, uh, as you guys all know, the militia doesn't work so great on the desert maps because of the camouflage and the weapons that we've assigned it. We're trying to make it work for Eastern European and desert. And so one of the thoughts in the team is that maybe we do like a, an MEC, kind of like with Battlefield where it's like, doesn't really designate any one country, but it kind of covers that militia thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the game's probably going to need that at some point if you want to expand into desert-type terrains outside of Afghanistan, which is where kind of where everything is at now for any of those type of things. Exactly. So, and, and that part of the world sounds like it's going to be in conflict for a while, so it's, uh, good, maybe. To have, it's good to have some options there without right. just having well, the insurgency. If you stick the Brits in there, um, I propose a map where we burn your White House again and claim back the colonies. <laughs> so I'm all all for that. Um, that could, sounds like but, a good mod, actually. <laughs> I ain't making it. <laughs> so we're getting to like a critical mass of maps now, which is great. We have like a lot of really, really good ones, not just the, the PR remakes, which obviously have been very successful. And now with the release of your new one, which I'm sure we'll speak about in a little bit. Um, I mean, is there... 
how how would you say that the the maps themselves have evolved since you know squad as a project started out way back with which what was the first map now logar valley logar yeah one that, that was we, made we, by iron taxi it was i remember way back before the announcement when when some of us were, were testing with you guys on that running around going this is crazy looking because it was right or comparisons were things like arma and pr which was either clunky or old and ugly um but i mean now we're a couple of years later and these maps are are sort of evolving how would you say the biggest sort of evolution of the mappers what, what has changed the maps basically well, as many of you guys know, we use the Unreal Engine, and it's still being developing. Uh, it's still being developed. So we're having to kind of roll with the punches as they improve the engine. And I know one of the things that we had to deal with at the beginning was the uh, games that Unreal had already made were basically indoor games. So they were like uh, Doom kind of games where you're corridor shooting and things like that. And since we were interested in outdoor games, one of the first things that we discovered uh, was a performance nightmare was foliage, which, you know, grass and trees. And with Logar Valley, you know, obviously one of the reasons we went desert theme on that one was because you don't have to have as dense foliage and grass everywhere. And I remember um, even after Chris placed the foliage that he wanted, he had to go back and erase like two thirds of it because the engine just was getting so bogged down trying to render the foliage. So that was one thing right off the bat. Um, as you know, we didn't have vehicles right at the beginning because that was another issue with the engine where a lot of the games that were already created on the engine weren't vehicle-based. They were first-person shooter corridor games. So we actually have written some of the code um, so that we could have vehicles in the game. Um, we didn't want to wait for the engine to completely do that for us. Um, and luckily, we have some super talented coders on the squad team. So those are two things right off the bat. The other thing that, that they've gotten better with is the size of the terrain that you can import into your, into your map. Um, some of the maps we're working on now, though their playable area will still be you know around four kilometers, uh, you guys probably remember a, a test a few months ago that um, tested Iron Taxi's uh, way open scale map. Didn't have any statics on it, but it was just this huge rolling terrain. Mm -hmm. And so that was actually a new feature that the engine had uh, enabled where you could have uh, basically different cells load in as the player gets close to it. So completely nice. new stuff, yeah. So what we're thinking of, um, it, we, you know, as as you guys also know right now, we don't have swimming or floating or anything like that in the game. But once we have um, the programmers uh, implement that, we can have, you know, an island game, you know, where, where uh, carriers are off the island and attacking the, the island and... Uh, would have plenty of oceanscape and all that that you would need for that. Nice. So Operation Barracuda coming to squad <laughs> yeah. sometime soon. <laughs> or Sarima or, or whatever. Sarima is great, yeah. Yeah, Sarima yeah. is great. Yeah, so obviously, you know, we don't have any boats and we don't have swimming and we want to really get our foothold uh, on the ground operations first. But as a mapper, that excites me because... Uh, surrounding terrain is always something you have to think about. So if the surrounding terrain can just be water, it makes it really easy. 
Yeah, low cost on the engine too, right? Exactly, yep. Yeah, and it also opens the door for more um, airborne assets. Hmm. Right? What do you know? <laughs> well, obviously well, uh, helicopters are coming, right? Yes, Merlin has already uh, released to the public that transport helicopters are coming. Right. It'd be yep. a logical extension to think attack choppers probably won't be too far behind if there's balancing asymmetric options to take them down, right? I think I think that would be a natural assumption. I personally don't know because I don't think the team even knows for sure. Um, I know one thing that's been uh, asked a lot is a jets, and, and jets would follow probably even attack helicopters. So mm -hmm. if, you, if you had some kind of natural flow of things, transport helos is the first one. So we just want to get that figured out. That opens up a world of gameplay for mapping and, and whatnot. Um, and then if you do end up getting attack helicopters and jets, it really doesn't change the mapping world much. You know, you would st still have the bigger environments and, and, and some kind of air base, you know, so they can land and take off. Mm -hmm. Well, I've often wondered, I've often wondered as well, as I'm screwing around in admin mode, looking for people to ban on maps like Korra, you have this huge non-playable portion of the map right now so i've always thought to myself if, if transport choppers get implemented all of a sudden those parts of the maps may be something that could open up and you know you can build a fob up the hill to the north of Encora and and you know have some overwatch up there and things like that is that a plan that you guys have sort of done with some of these maps with the huge non-playable areas already built in it's cohat was another map I made for squad, by the way, Kohat toy. Um, as far as I, in my immediate recollection, it's the last map that we made that we didn't already incorporate the surrounding terrain. So there are a few areas in Kohat actually you can see off the map. Um, ever since then, which was gosh, about a year and a half, two years ago, um, we have been building our maps with the surrounding terrain cells around it. And those are completely 100% normal terrain. So there's no reason we couldn't activate them for gameplay as long as the performance could keep up. And that would be the big test is, you know, how do we, how do we use the engine so that a player is only uh, rendering what is needed and the complete other side of the map isn't even being rendered um, and it loads these components, they're called, um, and those components, uh, one of the things they have really expanded on recently in the engine is procedural foliage. So we wouldn't have to place every single tree and that would be perfect for just if you're flying over in a transport helicopter and it's not a flag area, it's not an area of interest, but you don't want it to look completely barren, uh, possibly could work out performance wise, but it's something we'd have to test pretty extensively. Well, that would be interesting. So you would just mark the areas. This has trees, but it doesn't render them until something could actually see them then, basically. Exactly. So the people that are in the helicopter would see that those trees and, and that component, but the people that are fighting around the flag don't have to render all that because they're already rendering all the bullet sounds and the players and all that kind of stuff. So uh, obviously when you have a concentration of players, uh, the performance takes a hit because you have all the vehicles and the wheels even on the vehicles moving and all those things have to be rendered and calculated on a millisecond basis 
but as you're flying over a surrounding area, there's a lot less that you would have to render. So um, right now we're not looking at that too in depth because we don't have the need for it, but we're, we have the foresight enough to go ahead and, and integrate the surrounding terrain when we do the basic map setup. Right. And Taxi talked a little bit about that when Jeepo and I spoke with them, what, two months ago or whenever it was, about some optimization that you guys kind of have figured out on the server side to make it a little bit, um, a little less taxing on the server side, so to support a greater number of players. So I'm sure the optimization will pass, will come through and take care of that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, it's... Um... I'm not a coder or a QA guy, but um, there's three things they look at when they do their performance passes, and only one of those is server. So you also have, you know, the basic, the map and the statics, and then you have all the, um, like, deployable things and the things that are that have to be uh, tracked. Um, and so when we run our tests on the maps, and, and don't quote me to all this exactly, because Iron Taxi knows this a lot better than I do, but... Uh, when we run tests on the maps, it's really interesting because sometimes two of those three will be great, and there'll be a third where it just is maxing out the the RAM every time. And so we are able to really dive deep into the statistics and find out what's causing it. And sometimes it's smoke, you know, or it's something that's fairly easy to fix. Uh, like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, even the number of wheels on a vehicle is something that taxes the engine because it has to spin all of those wheels separately and and track their up and down movements and so um, even when our um, gameplay level designer sergeant ross places vehicles um, he has to be careful you know that that he doesn't have too many of the eight wheeled vehicles right next to each other because even that can kind of cause a, a hiccup and if any of you guys have uh, jumped on the the shooting range uh, Sometimes people notice for the first, you know, minute or so, it's really slow because it's still having to load in all those factors. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And, and as you know, that map is fairly simple. So it's not the map that's causing it. It's the different, different things that are on it. Yeah. And it loads all those vehicles at once too. Yeah, so. exactly. And all the different uh, materials because, you know, they're mech and Russian and you get all the different materials on there. So it, it has to load up pretty much everything we have in the inventory. Okay. So Jeepo, well, since we're talking about maps and maps that you made, and I, I guess I should just, I want to finish the thought that I put out there that your little signature on all your maps is always, it's actually part of your name. If you ever run across a soccer field on a map, you know that soccer is the one that made the map. That's his little signature that he puts on every map. So I want to ask you then, since you said you made Kohat, where's right. the soccer field on Kohat? I actually, I have it planned, but the whole east side of the map didn't get finished because we had a deadline approaching. Uh, yeah. Well, listen, because I love that map, and I keep waiting for it to be expanded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It because the be. terrain's fun to fight on. Yeah, it might be. There's the whole left side and a little bit of the bottom side, the south side, that right now is great for fobs and flanking, but it's a big map and there's no flags down there. Uh, so with the exception, if you if you play Insurgencies where you search for caches, uh, I bet you a lot of the players haven't seen half of that map. Mm-hmm. They, they know Malakabad well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, we do. 
and Mod's Eye, absolutely. And the radio tower, yeah. And the radio tower, yeah. Everybody knows all those points. So, um, Jeepo was uh, alluding earlier about your new map, Narva. So let's talk about that for a sure. little bit, since that just came out. Yeah. So it, like a lot of the maps that we released, isn't complete. It that's version one. Um, one of the things we do, not only because we want to get the new material out to the players, uh, that's the the big reason. But the second reason is, is we want to see how it's performing. So before we spend a lot of time adding all the props and the details, and like you'll notice none of the buildings have interiors in them. Right. And we've already had some comments from people going like, it's deserted. Um, we want to see how the game plays not only performance-wise, but, you know, uh, gameplay-wise. Is it fun? Uh, are there choke points? Are there all the things that a, a good map should have built in? And then as that's one of the reasons why I watch Twitch so much is I can watch people as a fly on the wall and see what metagames are developing and what tactics are developing and, and then adapt the map uh, to make sure we're making it fun. Um, and the good news is the performance reports we've gotten right now have been pretty positive. So we feel like we can continue to optimize the map and then also continue to flesh it out and polish it up. Excellent. Because right now it's, it's a, uh, and probably just for performance testing reasons, like you said, it's strictly an urban combat. Yes. And there is so much more room to it. And, and when Taxi described it, when he was first telling us about it, um, and he said it was something sort of akin to Dragonfly from PR, which if people don't know what Dragonfly is, it's sort of it's a militia versus Brits map uh, with a foresty terrain surrounding a city. Um, and a and lot the of the fighting... Track. Yeah, and the train track. And a lot of the fighting takes place in the city, but there are cap points outside too, so you kind of get a variety in terrain. Yeah. So one of, the, one of the very first things that we had to finish so that version 1 could get out was, you know, where would the main bases be? Because where they are right now are just totally temporary. So, you know, you're not going to spawn at the power plant and the gravel pit and the church. I mean, those aren't going to be main bases. Um, and the orientation of all the routes right now are basically north to south. Mm -hmm. So one of the very first things you'll notice when the full map comes out, it's going to be east-west. So it's going to be a totally different orientation for the flags, and it will open up a lot of the exterior areas. Um, and even the out-of-bounds is going to be a full, you know, two or three kilometers. Where right now it's one and a half, two kilometers. So there'll be a lot more room um, for vehicles and flag layouts. Um, and so that's that's something that we're going to absolutely, that was already planned, even if we weren't able to add lots of details and props and things like that. We're definitely going to finish the exterior areas of the map and make it a little bit more vehicle friendly. Um, but kind of as you alluded to with, with Firefly, and Chris and I talked about this, Iron Taxi and I talked about this when the map was first being conceived, is that we wanted to have wide avenues and quick hit and run routes for vehicles. So we didn't want it to be a, a map where, like Sumari, another map that I made for Squad, uh, you almost have to be insane to drive a vehicle through Sumari. Right. 
you know, I think mean, it's like, okay, here's 20 tickets I'm going to give to the other team. Where the, the, the thought on Firefly and certainly the thought on Narva is you have to have the, the mechanized infantry mentality on Narva. Um, you don't want to have a vehicle operating by itself, and it's not ideal to have an infantry squad operating by itself. And so ideally, you would want to have a vehicle providing cover for squads that need to cross those wide avenues, and also uh, to shoot and penetrate through the concrete buildings uh, to get that you know sniper or lat that's on the sixth floor and, and a lot more uh, safely than trying to navigate the staircase. So that, that was a theory all along, and we're obviously watching and seeing how that is playing out. Um, but do you guys watch CCFN? Uh, no, usually playing during that time. Okay. So no. It's it's a European tournament, so it's normally kind of like around noon on a Sunday, but uh, they just had a CCFN this past Sunday, and Narva was the map, and it was really... Um, uh, optimistic or i was getting more optimistic because one of the uh, clans on there called cog was using vehicles exactly the way that iron taxi and i had conceived and it was good to see that they're kind of figuring out how that works on that map and you got to kind of adapt your strategy Mm-hmm. yeah mechanized infantry is something uh, we're pretty familiar with at tg oh yeah um in fact, speaking wait, wait. of Camasia, you know, that was another good map. To exactly. Use, to have the right? combination. Yep. Having your armor support your infantry and vice versa. Um, you need to. But th yeah. so that leads me then to a question about Narva, which is how do you see so far from what you've watched and gameplay and whatnot, how the number of windows are affecting the, um, the mechanized infantry or just the gameplay itself? It's a lot of windows. Um, in fact, you know, one of the things that we've never been very pro is the sniper role you know because we don't see that fitting into the whole mantra of teamwork as well as a lot of the other kits right so although we do have a marksman which is um very realistic you know a lot of the army um squads will have a marksman um we didn't want to have like high-powered snipers that were going off under the eighth floor of a building um but one of the things we've done, and this falls into the mapping department as well as the environmental department, is some of the buildings right now, you could access every single room. And that probably will be looked at again, um, because on some of the other buildings, we blocked off probably half of every floor. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, it, it doesn't make it so mundane trying to clean a building of enemies. Um, because if you had to do floor by floor and every floor had 10 rooms, you know, it, it would not be a very fun experience. And so we're obviously keeping an eye on that. Um, we also are still learning a little bit about staircase fighting. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some changes to that as well. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, well, with staircase fighting, leaning, number one, helps a little bit where in prior titles, at least I'll, we go back to PR, but it doesn't have to be that, didn't have that feature. So you're True. much more exposed trying to clear a staircase. And now that the um, emplacements are destructible, it certainly changes staircase fighting a little bit um, and evens the playing field uh, away from the defending force where your sandbags before were 
basically indestructible. It was impossible to clear staircases in some cases. Right. In fact, you know, one of the questions we had almost immediately after the map was released is, you know, would we have rooftops accessible? And that was a conscious decision. We didn't want to do that because that's too much of an advantage to the person that's in that building. Um, so we'll keep looking at it. Um, we don't want the buildings to become, you know, anti-fun. You know, we want them to, to add a component to the urban fight that we haven't really had on a squad map yet because of the heights of them. Because we've had Sumari and we've had Abajra, and obviously those are urban. And, and Abajra does have some tall buildings, but we just want to kind of provide a different experience so you don't feel like you're just playing the same map with a different skin on it. Right. So you're saying that I can't, as a new guy, join your squad with a sniper rifle, take a rope and sit on a roof? This is outrageous. What is outrageous. this? I know. <laughs> there are well, a I mean, lot I... of games, though, that would attract your uh, your play style. So <laughs> have fun. Absolutely. Uh, actually, this sort of allows us to segue into Fallujah a little bit because we have, as you mentioned, Narva, and we have um, Bazaar, which are two awesome urban-focused maps. But to me, Fallujah is a special place in hell um, <laughs> as, a, as a, a U.S. infantry uh, squad on that one, um, playing that one many years. And I was lucky enough to actually get to play a very, very, very early neon multicolored version right. um, of that a few months ago. And I'm excited because, you know, it, it obviously has the, uh, the spirit of the original again but has taken some of the cool things that you can do in squad that you could never do in PR and put them in there with all the new assets and things as well, or uh, new new buildings, sorry, and things. So what lessons or sort of what philosophy are you guys taking with it to, to sort of make it a little bit more unique? What's interesting is just earlier today, OxyCube, Oxygen Cube, um, was saying that he's been watching Narva play because a lot of what he can learn from Narva can be integrated into Albazra. So he's he's already uh Art into Fallujah, sorry. So he's already trying to figure out how do we find that balance, how do we make it fun, how do we give everybody an opportunity to do what they enjoy the best, you know, if that's doing Lodgy runs or if that's running APC squads or or doing an infantry squad. So he that multicolored map that you played was a was a concept that he put together so that the environmental team could start working on the uh, buildings. Mm -hmm. But even then, he's he's constantly evaluating the spacing of the buildings and the widths of the roads and all the things that that a mapper has to think about in terms of the gameplay. You want to make it congested enough to add a little bit of tension and realistic, you know, uh, feel to the the environment, but at the same time not have it be a bloodbath, you know, for anybody that's trying to get through. Yeah. And that, I was very surprised because, like I said, it was a few months ago. It's probably changed immensely since then. And uh, I was very surprised at how much was actually there in terms of the feel and, and the structure of the city. And you're right, it would, tense isn't the word. And we were, you know, we were 12v12 sort of size. It wasn't, you know, 50v50 right. 50 in the city. And it was a bloodbath for the U.S., as you would expect. Uh, right we had vehicles so very excited for that one yeah it's, it'll you know obviously be a while to get that out to the public but we are looking forward to it and and hopefully it'll be a, a highlight for the people that played the the previous version of project reality and even to the people that have never played it at all um, and as you know it'll be much bigger than the project reality version 
more places to die. Yeah, exactly. It will leave a scar on you when you're done playing that map, probably. Yeah, I like that you introduce people to urban warfare gently with Basra and Inara, and then Fallujah comes and hits them. And yeah, right. Well, wow. I st we still hear comments all the time about Sumari. It's either people love it or they absolutely hate it, and and it just depends on what kind of action you're looking for. And I think all the maps have a little bit of that in it. Well, you know, Samari's kind of, and don't take this as an insult, it's not meant as one, a COD-type map. Exactly, yeah. But that's just a sort of a, a, a function of where the game was at when it was developed, right? Well, it's interesting because when uh, Iron Taxi came to me and said, hey, let's get you started on your first map, what we want you to focus on is this this will be Kohat that we're talking about is big terrain um something that we can use uh for fob building because when my map was being created we didn't have fobs yet so he wanted something that would provide machine gun nest placement sandbag placement hescos all these kind of things with enough room that people could super fob and all the minecrafty <laughs> kind of things that people enjoy um and then when we were creating sumari they specifically again said okay tim now we want the opposite we want call of duty map is actually the wording they used and they said and what's interesting is if you guys you guys know me you and jipo do um that is the exact opposite of my style <laughs> i am not a close quarters guy you know i much prefer the bigger maps i don't think um, anyone in the sixth was any good at close quarters anyway, right? <laughs> they just weren't any good period but hey we don't want to talk about that right well, <laughs> we had ferris he was always there to be our medic that's true you know and i think nardini was was pretty good dirt boy maybe but you guys were all good now wix will say we, he's good, uh, but wix was good before you sucked him over but um <laughs> freezing he, he he may not like Samari. I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out his uh, impression of Samari. Well, Wix, first of all, just picture this in his voice um, talking about a COD map and <laughs> with some colorful language inserted in there. So he'll be uh, he'll be thrilled to know that you made that map. Oh, yeah. he should know. It, it, is, it is a little bit weird making a map that you know you personally wouldn't play on as much um but in the end it's one of my prouder maps because i feel like i really was able to put that environment to its max extent in terms of all of the props and all the mm. rubble and stuff yeah it's super detailed and it is yeah. small but it's great for seeding because of that so it's yeah a, yeah it's a great like loaded up it plays fast it is a fun map to play i mean it is fun you're constantly in action, so it's it I've is heard, a fun map. Yeah, I've definitely heard, especially as a squad leader, it is a constant corralling of the troops and trying to keep everyone alive. And um, yes, it's migraine-inducing yeah. for sure. Yeah, but yeah, but we, like I said, you know, a few minutes ago, we we wanted to provide a good variety of maps, um, something that everybody would enjoy uh, if they wait through the rotation. There's something there for everybody, and. We're still working on that. Obviously, like I said, we don't have any water maps. We don't have any jet maps. But, you know, eventually, hopefully, that is the goal. Nice. So with oh. Narva released, 
Um, obviously, there's it's still work in progress, right? It's, this, oh, the game's yeah. still alpha, and the map obviously has a lot, oh, yeah. lot of lot of stuff you want to change. But does that mean you're now moved on to another map project, or are you taking some downtime? What's what does your workload look like that way? So it, it is interesting because the process kind of shifts. So about two weeks ago, we stopped adding content to Narva and we basically started the optimization process. In fact, it probably was more like three or four weeks ago. Um, spent all of our time optimizing, debugging, getting that QA team in there, um, even doing a little bit of small testing, like, like 10 on 10 kind of things. See if walls were at the right height to shoot over, uh, jump over, you know, all the things that are important for gameplay. And so I haven't really done the creative stuff for about a month. We've been basically the more analytical stuff uh, and, and fixing things. And then next week, uh, the entire team is going to Vancouver for a big team retreat. And then when I come back from that, I'll probably be given the green light to start the version two process where I can go back in and start adding content, changing things that weren't wrong they weren't bugs but maybe could have been done better uh certainly fleshing out things polishing things adding things um and that'll probably happen for another couple of months and then we'll get the full version out um it's hard to say the timing but that would be the next goal so how long do you spend in development of a map then for a big map is is about a year sometimes a little bit less because as we do more and more maps we become a little bit faster um, I started Narva in November, so it's been about seven or eight months of development. So that's interesting to know for people that are dying, like ourselves, you know, after a while you start really craving new terrain to fight over. You don't even really worry about new features of the game. It's just, I just want a new coat of paint thrown on something or, or some new hills and trees to fight around. So. It's funny you say that, though, because um, I think there are also players out there that all they really focus on are, like, the rifles. Right. Yeah, you they're going to get a shock when a tank comes rolling over a hill if they're only focused on a rifle. Tire. Yeah, it's just, it's really interesting when you read the, the feedback and something that I think Iron Taxi mentioned and I think I mentioned earlier is um, we use a, a program called Slack, and that's how the team communicates because we're not all in the same location like i'm in colorado and the uh the full timers are mostly in vancouver some are in europe but um we get kind of a news feed that comes through from the forums and from the different uh places where people can provide their opinions <laughs> and it's really interesting because uh sometimes it's stuff we expect you know people are like really focused on vehicles and so they just want to know everything there is about vehicles and, and they'll even scrutinize you know the noise that the the tank makes or an apc makes and uh we have equally impassioned people that that want to talk about the scopes and the the bipods and and stuff and then there are people that are more map centric you know they're they really love to talk about the different flags and the different layouts and the terrain and the environment um so we have to remember that you know even as a mapper not everybody's like me and so we we do have an excellent team 
uh, in the art department that makes all the vehicles and the rifles and they do an amazing job and we have an environmental team that makes the statics and the foliage and we have a special effects team and and obviously we have a great sound team um, we get a lot of, of, of great comments about all of these different departments so it just depends on what what is your craving you know in terms of a gamer absolutely and, and actually just with a natural it's natural with a game like this that you're going to attract a certain amount of former and serving guys as well who are going to be a little bit more impassioned about about what they see and speaking of yeah. actually one of the pictures i think you guys put on twitter a little while back uh of, of the office in canada there i think i saw an l85 sitting on a on a desk somewhere yep. so that's that was nice <laughs> you get that right yeah can we have in addition to myself we do have a couple other people on the owi team that are prior military and so we were able to to kind of make sure things are realistic um but we're also not trying to be a simulator. Um, we're not trying to sell our product to the military to enhance, yeah. you know, soldier training. Uh, we want to make it fun as well. But it is funny because sometimes people maybe lose track of that. Um, in fact, we even had a, a back kind of in the mapping environmental uh, world. We had a guy that uh, sent us a really long post about the numbers that are on the side of the shipping container. And that they weren't they weren't in the correct format. Does this guy work for Marisk or something? I, it, it just you know we just kind of go oh, oh well it's easy to fix we'll fix it but wow I mean if you ask ninety nine percent of the players they don't even know there are numbers on the side. Right. I, a, I think I saw a full conversation when you guys released the first initial models for the British forces and somebody had a full scale. I'll say discussion instead of argument about right. the gloves that the the guy was wearing being the wrong, yeah. not <laughs> the like, wrong brand or whatever. Yeah, yeah, something ridiculous like that. Yeah, and but you know, we, it, in a way, it's it's nice to see that people are paying attention to the detail because we pay attention to the detail, and in a way, it's nice to know that they appreciate it. Uh, but I think they also need to keep things in perspective. You know that this is a game. Yeah, and that's actually something Dispo and I were just speaking about this week as well. I mean, for us and, and for anyone that knows TG, sort of the history of the teamwork-oriented style of play that we have, thinking more of the bigger picture and that combined arms thing. And we were actually, uh, we, like I say, we were talking about this this week, esports and things like that. You know, we know that there's a, a community of, of people who like to do this competitively out there. That's, that's great. Um, but for us, it really is, you know, we're just, super excited for the larger scale the you know these large maps with large assets blowing each other up from long distances and having to use your smarts and your squad as opposed to you know who's got faster twitch skills in a six foot right anyway because we're all getting older and we don't have those skills. we are we so have rely on larger caliber and larger explosions and some to of get us the never had them so it's even worse right now wait i want to i want to mention something though i would be remiss not to mention this and Jeepo and I talked about before. I'm going to bring up a name of a map from PR, all right? Ijad Desert. Okay. <laughs> and and my first experience with soccer, who is pro perhaps the greatest tactical mind as far as a commander goes for Project Reality I ever had the pleasure of playing with and serving under. We had a scrim against another community. I don't remember who it was, but it was on Ijad Desert. And... Before the scrim, we all got these detailed battle plans from soccer sent out, and it was unlike anything I had ever experienced in a video game before. 
colored areas of control, movement lines, everything was laid out on it. And it was like that every time soccer commanded. And um, I really, you should come back and play. You need to come back and play and show, I, <laughs> and show off some of this alias, stuff. Assume an alias and come play. <laughs> I, yeah. I have such fond memories of those days, um, of all the scrims that we had, internal and external. And we never lost one, did we? I don't no, know. we didn't. I, as a commander, never lost one, so I, I maybe so as, as a group. Um, we had I we had a Kashan Desert one that was super close. Um, I remember we were starting to get our butts kicked, but um, such a good group, and and the squad leaders were were so into it. Like when they saw the plan, they were just like, "Yes, this is what we're gonna do." Um, in fact, one of the first kickbacks I got, uh, I think it, maybe it was at Ejad Desert, is people said, "Oh." This will last two minutes, you know. Yeah, the best plan never does last, and they were surprised that you know we were able to maintain the plan and do that after every scrim and, and through every scrim. So, lots of fun, lots of fun, lots of good times. Absolutely, that e job map map as well had probably my favorite PR trailer, the 0.5 trailer. That I remember that that was when the tanks were going over the mounds and it had working suspension and all this sort of crazy <laughs> stuff, and I lost my mind at that. That I remember that took a lot of work because we were still using the BF2 engine, and it didn't have that terrain morphing capability for vehicles, but we made it work. So we definitely learned a lot, um, and a lot of the guys that obviously that worked on Project Reality are on the OWI team, so we take all that experience and feel so excited that we have an engine that can actually incorporate a lot of it without mm -hmm. without slicing ourselves as often you know about it but we are um you know one thing that i could almost anticipate you asking is you know we still want to have a commander role and squad it's still very important to all of us um and have the tools you know i can't mention exactly what those tools will be but we definitely want to have that be an interesting and, and important component if a team wants it, obviously we're not going to require one. Maybe sometimes they'll only use it for, uh, for competitions, but we do want to have the ability to have a commander. It's funny you mentioned that because we just had a lengthy discussion on the commander role in our uh, Discord channel today with several nice. of our uh, uh, squad guys that haven't played PR. So I linked them to the PR uh, manual so they get an idea of the capabilities of what the commander has. And and it's interesting you mentioned that because for us it just seems like a natural uh, uh, role. But for a lot of people that even came from games that had a commander role, it just never seemed to work. Like people either yeah. never did it or they abused it. Um, I and see even people. Remember oh, in sorry, BF2, people would like kill snipers with the crate drops. And yes. Like they, <laughs> and yeah. they would go, that was the and only vehicle thing they drops. would do in Commander. Yeah, they would never give orders or help their team. They would just go kill all the snipers with the vehicle drops. Um, yeah. So they, they kind of like look at us sideways when we go, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to have a Commander role. Um, but I, I'm sure we'll, we'll prove it to them again, it's, just like we did in Project Rally. It's community dependent too, and how things are sort of enforced on the server and within the community itself. And True. But yeah, you, you need to experience a good commander to see what a difference it really makes in the game. Absolutely. Barring some freak of nature where maybe Dispo is your commander and, and the other team doesn't <laughs> have one exclusively, you will win if you have a commander and the other team does not. <laughs> I mean, 
I don't know how you guys are going to, you know, split that out and give him different powers. It's not going to be like BF3 where you sit on your iPad in bed and command from afar, right? <laughs> and I saw somebody on, the, I want to say Reddit, but God knows if it was talking about it in that sort of, I just scratched my head. But, it, you know, you get, let's say, an off-map artillery barrage that you can only fire every 20 minutes. That's incredibly powerful. Right. And that's, you know, that's obviously the challenge that we have to take on as a, as a, as a development team is how do we do this where if it's used, it benefits, but it doesn't guarantee that the other team is going to have a horrible experience. So the tools that we offer have to supplement your already uh, teamwork, you know, that's taking place. Um, and like you said, once people go, oh, okay, this all makes sense now. Um, they'll want to have a commander and they'll want to learn how to command and it'll kind of be a natural progression. In fact, I, I wouldn't say that it's far from the people that play first-person shooters and don't even have a mic when they first join squad and then they quickly realize that this is a little bit of a different monster and you need to get that mic up and you need to start talking to people if you Absolutely. want to experience it. I think yeah. that's how a lot of us got started in in squad and other games as well where you know you, yeah. you join a squad and you're the one guy without the mic um so you right tootle down to curries or best buy um and you come back the next day and you're you're set yeah i, I remember it's... when i was playing vanilla bf2 uh there were a couple guys that i uh friended because i think bf2 had its own little like friend uh uh function and i remember i if they weren't on, I wouldn't play because after a while, I'm just like, I've had a taste of this, you know, where we can talk and work as a team. And then eventually I've heard about project reality. And then, then you could pretty much, you know, join any game of project reality and have that experience. So I think that's what people are seeing in squad that maybe didn't play that kind of game before. Absolutely. And it's bringing out the old people as well, you know, not just Dispo and I, but the, the old oldies from, from way back who are looking for that Russian and modern engine. Um, but, there are this this latest patch let's talk about that a little bit you know we've now got lock squads which is such a simple thing but has entirely changed how you can structure your team um we have as you've mentioned the uh, the rifleman with his little sandbags which is a nice touch yeah um and then we had the massive changes to logistics which i was looking forward to since the game was announced. <laughs> that was, that right. was my vision of how logistics was. And again, it comes back to your point where you want players to feel it out, understand how it works, and then sort of once they're a little bit more experienced with it uh, and, you know, they, they understand how it works, then you can make these changes to it that absolutely makes it more difficult, but, you know, makes the gameplay much better. Yeah, it's actually, it's a good point that you brought up either directly or indirectly is kind of like with the commander role, we want to give a player the opportunity to to be victorious even if their team isn't the best team in the world and that's why like you you always have a rally point and that doesn't require anything you just basically have to have another person next to you but if you want to take that next step and you want to have a logistics function and, and get a, a hab built that benefits the whole team and so it just kind of builds upon each other um, and even more so if you want to have a mortar team, you know, because somebody's going to run logistics back and forth almost continuously now, because as you guys know, everything uses ammo nowadays, uh, where that was a, not really a function before. It's a welcome change. Yeah, um, especially 
actually um, lats is another good example. People used to just spam the lats um, because they didn't have to worry about re, you know, resupplying themselves. And now, if you resupply a lat, it's seventy-five ammo points. And so somebody better be running supplies back and forth. You're gonna <laughs> run out, you know, and keeping the supply line open. So it's not just a matter of of having the supplies, but having a way to get to and from the, you know, your main base to that supply point. We touched on that with um, with Iron Taxi as well, where he was hinting um, at the logistics changes that have just happened. And one of the thing, one of the points I made back then was, I'm very much looking forward to the the days when the lat is much more deadly than it is right now. You know, a definite one hit kill on a tacky, a, a probable, uh, definitely if you hit a, a BTR in the side or the rear, it'll it'll wipe it out. Right. So again, you know. It, 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 I hate to use the phrase baby steps because it sounds condescending and that's not at all what I mean, but it's a, it's, it's a good way of getting people used to the mechanics of the game. You know, it's not BF4, it's not any of these things. It is, it takes a little bit of skill, but it takes a lot more smarts actually yeah. as well to, to, to counter these assets. And they kind of go hand in hand because when you look at gameplay, if the weapon is, is more powerful then you need to kind of balance that either by making it more difficult to use, like a, a longer steady time, or it uses more ammunition, or there's something, you know, obviously fewer of them, you know, like we already do that kit limitations. Um, so it is a balance. We wouldn't want to have, uh, you know, hats all over the all over the map because then people would just use it to kill infantry and wouldn't care about their ammunition or anything. Um, so it, it is it is all a balance. We, we want to make sure that that people, when they decide what kit they're picking, there's always going to be a little bit of a plus and a little bit of a minus about what that kit can provide and that it has a role to play and it's not a universal. Just to round you off there as well, you mentioned hats. Um, I want to make sure everyone understands that is not a paid-for DLC. <laughs> that is a heavy kit <laughs> before we go down that road. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Yeah, we're not me, TFT. <laughs> to me, it makes sense, you know, that at some point, instead of every lat kit, you know, having two in a squad and having two per per player, you know, two rockets, you'll have one per squad and one rocket, and it's a damn important kit now. So you better not miss. Exactly. You better decide who has that kit and what his role is. Yeah. Not BTR will mess you up, but he is vulnerable, so he's gonna yeah. have to have infantry with him. You know, gone will be the days of a BTR just willy nilly driving around. You know, oh, I took right. two rockets. I better go repair, sort of thing. The other thing I think, I think the team is still batting around because I know we were a few months ago was just adding this really interesting game component of where a vehicle would become disabled before it would just explode, and if the art team and the programmers can can make that work, I think it would be a really interesting dynamic where a lat would take out a vehicle, but it wouldn't instantly kill everybody in it. And so then they would have the opportunity to try to find out where the lat shot from and maybe take them out and then get a repair truck in. And I think it'd be really, I think it would be something I would be interested in. And obviously if we can implement it um, and if there's still interest to implement it, it hopefully would be something we would do in the future. Absolutely. I mean, fighting your way out of an ambush is as much fun as doing the ambush sometimes if you, if you make it out, right? So that would be awesome. Exactly. In fact, I know um, this was one of the discussions when I was creating Sumari because we knew that would be a, a vehicle death trap. So instead of having it just explode immediately, we would um, see if there was a possibility of having a disabled vehicle and then 
the kind of like with Black Hawk Down, you know, the the insurgents would surround it and try to protect it and not let you have it back. Um, different priorities took over. We we obviously had to to wait for the engine to kind of get better with the thing. Um, but I hope it's still on the team's radar, and I'll certainly continue to kind of bring it up as the as the opportunity exists. Well, the engine has uh, has definitely grown a lot. We have four point one six out now, which I think you guys are looking at using soon. And then we have other very successful games like PUBG running on the uh, on the Unreal Engine with a hundred yeah. players. That, that's and definitely a leading question. Arc <laughs> as well. Arc was the one of the ones that followed us out of the gate almost immediately with the large scale maps. So the dinosaur game. I don't know if you guys. Are yeah, familiar yeah. With mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought Dispo was, uh, I was very keen it. on games about dinosaurs, his his era. But... No, but I rode one today to come to work, so. <laughs> Uphill, both ways. Both so. ways, yep. But yeah, I, I, the people that did play ARC, I don't own it, but the people that did play ARC said it was super buggy um, because they were pushing the engine just as much as we were. And a dinosaur is considered a vehicle, and so they were running against the exact same vehicle problems that we were having about tracking its position on the on the uh, terrain and all of the different you know factors that go with that um, yeah and even PUBG still has these problems where you know your, yeah. your vehicle will spaz out and do something hilarious and the nature of that game it is kind of funny but in squad if your logistic truck gets to the front line after a 10 minute round trip and it and flips it out flies it up in the air <laughs> yeah yeah, I was watching the video where somebody did a barrel roll in a logistics truck. It was pretty impressive. He didn't mean to, but he hit a rock and just did like a barrel roll. Well, we still have famous people like Bullseye, you know, probably the best logistics oh person gosh, I've ever worked yeah, with. I forgot so, all about Bullseye, yeah. So, yeah, he, he gets in occasionally. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to now that the logistics have, have moved forward a little bit. And, yeah, we're already seeing that uh, since 9.6 came out, some people that are making dedicated Logi squads, and they're able to lock it to two or three people and – really provide a benefit to the team and don't mind they don't fit they don't see it as a sacrifice they really enjoy it in fact some of our devs even do it just to kind of like relax <laughs> it is relaxing to drive the logistics truck yeah. i volunteered to do it when i'm not squad leading it's important too because if you don't have it running now your team is not going to win most likely right so it's a crucial role yeah, I think we're we're finally we're getting closer and closer to that that full environment, you know, where you need to have all the different components working at the same time and with each other. Um, so it's becoming a lot more dynamic, I think. Oh, teamwork, you mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a novel concept, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's crucial to have it. You're gonna need it to win. You already do. And and as you've seen with the map progression, the maps also require more teamwork. You know, so as they get bigger and more complex and, and like we talked about with mechanized infantry trying to get down a street in Narva, you know, if you try to do it on your own, it's just going to be that much more difficult and maybe even frustrating. But if you if you put two and two together, it's more than four, you know, so that's the kind of what we're hoping for. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so. Tactical Gamer obviously is known for its teamwork. Um, obviously, if if we can provide any support to you guys, let us know. Um, I am a prior TG member, so obviously I'd be glad to have people reach out to me with ideas and whatnot. But 
I also want to encourage people that are interested in, in modding. Um, we have a great SDK, so people that are interested in mapping or providing statics or something like that, get your toes in there, play with the engine. Uh, it's pretty user-friendly. So if they find that it's something that fits their niche and they have a talent for it, uh, you know, who knows what will the future would hold. Well, that was kind of my next question to you was, uh, and we do have people here at TG that were working on a map. Um, and so sort of advice from you, Soccer, on how to get started in making a map and sort of the pitfalls you might come across and how bad is the learning curve, et cetera. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I don't know if I'm the best person to ask because when I started Shajia Valley, I remember Rhino, who was a developer for Project Reality, just gave me the up and down about you shouldn't start a big map. You know, you should start with a really small map. Um, and I think it really just depends on what you're wanting out of the experience. I Probably the biggest advice I can give to somebody is that it's going to take time. You know, as we mentioned uh, earlier in this interview, a, a good map will take a year. And certainly if it's your first map, Shazia Valley took me well over a year to do. Um, be patient. You're learning the engine. You're still getting familiar with all the different uh, statics and components and processes out there. So you're probably not going to be very efficient. Um, there's going to be I know on Shoji Valley, this was certainly the case where there's whole areas that you go back to and just delete it <laughs> and just start over because it just didn't work. And I even have some pictures of some early Shoji Valley that you guys wouldn't even recognize. So um, just just go into it knowing that you're going to have that learning curve and be patient with yourself. And, you know, like I said, certainly the Unreal Engine is a lot more user friendly. Um, the Battlefield 2 editor crashed all the time it was you know super inefficient it was almost like an afterthought um from from ea um where ea the unreal engine their whole mission is to get that engine out to everybody and that's why they've made it free which is awesome um so definitely if you're interested dive into it there's a there's a part of our forum that modders can uh, help each other and i know iron taxi monitors that forum a lot provides advice Excellent. So it's not something that if you're looking for instant gratification that you should probably get into. I say if you want instant gratification, you probably want to do something like a grenade. You know, it's something that you can start and, and finish pretty quickly. But mapping is a is a slow art form. I wasn't sure um, where you were going with that phrase, to be honest. I could have went anywhere. <laughs> but I do sometimes like... um. Uh, what is the word? I sometimes uh, admire uh, some of the other parts of our team because they're even a building uh, would take a month or two at the most. And sometimes they get that their gratification a little bit earlier. Um, but at the same time, the more the more like all the time you put into a map, you you reap all that. You just have to wait longer for it. Um, and I know one thing that Iron Taxi has said publicly is that we will have the ability to have mod maps be part of the Steam um, workshop. So, you know, if you put the time into it and it's a good map, people will be able to uh, upload it and use it. Excellent.
So uh, you mentioned buildings, and um, a question just came to me that when you're developing a map, it's sort of a chicken and the egg thing. Do the assets, the asset team get their direction from the mappers is, hey, I need this, this is the, the area that my map's going to be in. So I need these kind of style of buildings and this style of trees. Is that how that part of the team, do you guys all function together in that sort of way, or how does that work? Well, we've always had pretty limited resources. I mean, luckily the team is expanding now and they're, they're bringing on especially programming um, talent. But as I mentioned earlier, our mapping team is three people if you don't count Iron Taxi. So we have Chance who made um, Albazra, and then we have Oxy and myself. So we always have maps in progress and the environmental team isn't much bigger than us. And so they're limited on how much they can create especially if it's quality content, which these guys focus on. So it's a bit of a mix and a match. Like when I was told to create Cohat, I was basically told work with what we have, you know, in terms of the buildings and the assets that we have. But as we started creating the feel of the map, we quickly discovered that this was going to be a scrub environment. So our environment team had to go back and create scrub trees, you know, which are, kind of known on Kohat now, um, but originally it was pine trees and things like that. So it just really depends on how overtasked the environment team is and what the priorities are. Um, I know like right now with Oxy's new map, they're working hand in hand um, to produce buildings that are very urban because right now we don't have a lot of urban desert buildings. And so they're working with him uh, back and forth, you know, to, to get that right feel and the right size and everything. And so you're not having to recreate or go back and change much in the end, hopefully. Nice. Yeah. So, and one, one of the functions that Unreal Engine also has is um, it, it, it's not ideal for, for performance, but it has some really interesting tools where you can build parts of a building and then use them as Legos and, and create. And that's basically what Samari was, was, a Lego city where you have, if you look at the map now, there's 300 different kinds of buildings, but if you broke it down into the components, you know, it's, it's only a handful of components. So it makes it a little bit harder on the mapper because you have to build every building as you go, but it also provides a lot of creativity and freedom to, to do it the way you want. Like I said a minute ago, though, the drawback is you have a lot more pieces that the engine are having to put together and render. Um, so we're finding as the maps get larger, the environment team is helping us create pre-built buildings, you know, with slight variations. Okay. That makes yeah. a lot of sense too. Um, but I, you can't wish for the world. Like when I was creating Narva, I kept saying, oh, I want, you know, uh, newspaper boxes for my sidewalks. And, you know, I want all these different kinds of cars and all these different kinds of trash cans and stuff. And they basically said, list five things <laughs> that you want and we'll see if we can do those five things. You know, so they had to be realistic and, and, and give us those five things. So worked out. And, and as a mapper, that's always our job. You know, we have to make do with what we have and get creative with what we have. And I'm always amazed when I look at the other mappers and I'm like, oh, I wish I had thought of that. I mean, that's a great use of the resource that maybe was never intended or by combining two different resources, you end up with a totally different kind of, you know, asset. So 
Uh, it's part of the creative process, I think, which is also kind of fun. Um, but yeah, we're not we're not uh, EA, so we don't have a whole <laughs> team out there just building every single building for us as we go. Well, what's interesting for for me is quite a lot of us are obviously in the uh, the modding private modding Discord that you guys have set up for people to make maps and and different assets, and I like keep an eye on it and. I'm sure we'll see some of this in the upcoming wrench, which is in the week or so, probably if the scheduling's right. But there's a couple of really cool looking maps coming that seem to have quite a lot of new assets on there. And I can only say it looks like they've been influenced, at least in my opinion, it looks like they've been influenced by other games outside of, you know, obviously squad and PR. These look like uh, these look like heavily influenced by other games that people are playing right now. So I'm very excited to see how those go. I mean, is there any I'm not sure what the, this podcast is going to go out, but is there any sort of uh, upcoming things that you're particularly si- excited about that you can sort of talk about for the first time? Or, well, I, th- I think because, like you said, this is already on the on the Discord on the mod Discord. Um, but we were really impressed with some of the snow that a, a person had done. Mm-hmm. If you guys had seen those pictures of the snow map that he was yeah, developing, yeah, it's cool. So. That really sparked a lot of, of excitement in our team. Um, so, we, you know, we would like to even expand the environments even more. Like you said, you know, possibly, you know, into Asia, more mountainous, snowy, you know, all the different uh, things. But it's always easier said than done because then you, you need to have different kind of trees and you need to have different kind of assets and you need to be able to have snow accumulation and things like that. So um we sometimes also see modders that have done amazing things but right away we know that we wouldn't be able to use those on a 50 versus 50 uh, server because it would just be too intensive yeah i mean that that's that's always going to be the battle isn't it polygons versus players (laughs) exactly and unfortunately the the better the engine the more you want to do with it you know in terms of um we would love to make our terrains you know three-dimensional visually realistic photorealistic but that it all comes at a price and then you start excluding people that might have mid-range computers and stuff and we don't want to do that so we want to make it fun we our target has always been 60 fps for the players um and so you have to it's a give and take you know you have to decide is having a super photorealistic terrain really that important and in the end you know you you'd end up scaling it back so even though we have the the talent and we have the ability uh that's something we have to to bite the bullet on and and scale back absolutely and it's you know it's gameplay every time right right at least for us yeah, you definitely want to, you don't want to forget about the gameplay because you could have the most beautiful game in the world, but nobody would want to play it. So it's um, and we all came from really a good history of gameplay and teamwork and stuff, and so that that stays central to everything we do. Absolutely exciting times ahead, I think. Yeah, I think, uh, I'm just checking the uh, the time here. I don't want to take up too much more of your uh, of your time. I think in the colonies there, it's uh, it's still pretty early. It's pretty late here. Yeah. Um, so, so before you go, yeah, I mean, is there any, anything, uh, any other questions you might have for us or any other, um, you know, how can people get the game? Obviously, uh, most people listening to this probably already have it, but for the new, newbies. Yeah, obviously it's on steam. Um, you can even get it every once in a while on a humble sale. Um, 
but it's uh it, it's goes on sale about twice a year so if you have the patience i guess you could wait for the christmas sale but we try to keep it priced at a very real, realistic level um and obviously we're biased but we think it's worth every penny of it um we have had a lot of people you know showing concern that it's in early access um and for those that maybe haven't experienced other early access successes we would just ask that they you know give it a shot um you don't have to buy it when it comes out again you you buy it once and you get the game um and i think a lot of people would say that it's fleshed out certainly well enough now that you would enjoy it to its extent um we also have a lot of streamers that give away keys so you know if you're interested in what the gameplay is like you know watch some of the twitch streamers and and be on the lookout for the giveaways uh, we have a community management team that also does that so they'll have giveaways once in a while and and they'll get the word out to everybody um we you know no surprise really we absolutely love gaming communities uh, like tactical gamer because they bring with them that package of teamwork and that's the kind of uh community that we want to entice to squad so obviously um we love and welcome everybody in the different gaming communities and clans and groups and social you know uh groups but um you know reach out to us if there's something we can do better uh, one of the things that they did uh on the very first squad competition was they asked if we could possibly implement a minimum visual uh, setting so people couldn't de-render grass and de-render shadows and things like that and it was something we were able to do because we wanted to kind of promote that esports ability um, which falls in hand in hand with the whole idea of of teamwork and and uh, squad you know so things like that reach out to us we're very uh, open we want to have a two-way conversation with the community so don't be afraid to to share your feelings especially if it's you know uh not too uh, opinionated it's just more factual <laughs> you know we don't want Fact. rants obviously facts no feelings people <laughs> exactly so if you if you express something in a very uh, realistic way then we're going to be very receptive to that and something we may have already considered so um just be patient with us as we implement all these features slowly but surely. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. You guys are definitely one of the success stories from all, um, early access on Steam, that's for sure. And we've known you devs for years. You're you're pretty receptive. You guys knew us, but there were a lot of people out there that had no idea who we were. And luckily they gave us a shot or, or I heard about a friend that played it and gave us a shot, so... And here we are, yeah. Keep spreading the word. Yeah. Absolutely. And hopefully you'll uh you'll come and put an alias on like navy croquet <laughs> or something and come come play with us again. That'd be water be polo. Good. Yeah, yeah. 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 I need you in my squad again, soccer. Okay. <laughs> I right, well, I need to brush up my skills anyway, so Oh, oh so don't worry, you fit right in with me, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm I'm the guy that's always getting revived. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, uh, Tim, Sacker, uh, we want to thank you very much for your time and uh, and spending the hour with us discussing all things mapping and squad. And uh, who knows, maybe a year from now or so, when your next big map comes out, we'll catch up with you again and see what's going on. Definitely. Thanks so much for inviting me. It was great to hear your voices again. And to the entire Tactical Gamer community, 
glad to hear you guys are still playing squad and and out there and uh such good memories from the last 10 years and i'm sure you guys will too absolutely all right and with that i think we're going to go ahead and sign off gpo do you have any final words of wisdom for uh for anyone i don't think in my entire 10 years at tg i've had any words of wisdom just uh thank you buddy appreciate that yep you bet